Green Acres Garden Podcast is the podcast that will teach budding gardeners like you to grow your green thumb. For whether you're a newbie or a seasoned horticulturalist, you're sure to learn something new. Enjoy our conversations with community gardeners and gurus from Green Acres Nursery and Supply. We'll answer questions you didn't know you had. Well, hello there, garden friends. Welcome back to the Green Acres Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jordan, the California wildflower. Back in studio with my good buddy, holy moly, guacamole, avocado Austin Blank. How's it going there, uh, avocado Austin? <laughs> hey, Kevin, I'm doing great. I love that name. That is great. How'd you know I love avocado? You know, I was hoping it was a shot in the dark, but I love avocados too. Uh, who doesn't? Oh, they're great. They're great. So uh, what's going on this week, Kevin? So this week we're going to be talking all about, you know, working out in the garden and, and basically uh, creating a landscape that is water wise. It's basically the, the new style of Western landscaping really is what it's become. And Really, it's it's a way to uh, transform your landscapes and tr- uh, into you know a beautiful oasis, a paradise, if you will, that utilizes every single drop of water that you put into it. Uh, it's a fantastic place to spend your time. It's a great uh, landscape that's going to bring in be- beneficials, pollinators, and for me, it's a great way to kind of transition from you know very heavy lawn dependent landscapes where you have nothing but lawn turf, maybe taking some of that out and replacing it with some plants that are really going to bring you. Uh, a diversity of color, of, of fragrance, you know, through the seasons, it's going to change. So there's so many different benefits that we're going to talk about this week with the Western style landscape or water-wise landscaping, you know, and it's simpler than you even may think. Mm. So it's, it's actually, I think, you know, misconceptions that it's difficult or, uh, you know, it takes a lot of effort to do, but really it's a lot of little things that kind of go into having a wonderful landscape that's going to be water-wise, efficient, and hopefully uh, so efficient that it's going to maybe be a little less time out in that garden throughout the season. And it, and it could still be beautiful plants, attractive plants, right? It doesn't have to be like de- like all desert plants or something. Absolutely. Right? Well, just walking up to your home right now, mm-hmm. uh, Austin, to record uh, one one home is more of a traditional landscape, some shrubs, uh, lots of lawn, fully green. Next landscape over right here, beautiful western style landscape, mm-hmm. a water wise landscape. There's echinacea, there's sage. Uh, there's lavenders out there, uh, you know, different yarrows and you know different plants out there that are flowering. They all have their own little space, a little drip system. You kind of see snaking through the uh, the beds, full of mulch, beautiful, right? And so it you can see the contrast yeah. uh, between the two yards. And I think you're seeing more and more of that shift to uh, a landscape that's going to be a little bit more water-wise, especially in war- low water years. Well, shout out to my neighbor. She's doing something right, right? I saw her out there. I was like, you yeah. have a beautiful garden. Yeah. Like, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's really cool. And yeah. she does have a great garden, and it's it's not no lawn. No, no lawn, no lawn needed, right? No, yeah, per, you know, there's some grasses there, but they're all ornamental, yeah. they're perennial grasses. They, you know, they bring in, you know, they provide habitat for wildlife and beneficials and all the other things that we talk about. There's so many benefits to it, and uh, you know, and the cons are, I think, are, are minimal. The cons are just effort. <laughs> and I think, it, it, you know, it's funny you bring up the echinacea in her yard because I remember I didn't know what a coneflower was before we did our perennial. That was last year. Last year. And it, it was one of the big, you know, hot items that we were talking about was the echinacea. There's so many varieties and beautiful colors. And oh, the I, bees go crazy yeah, for them. Yeah, I took a yeah. liking to it. And and then I, you know, I recognized it in my neighbor's yard. I was like, oh, that's that's a coneflower. And now every time I walk by, if I'm with somebody, I try to point it out. It's like, hey, look, look, look at that cool flower. Isn't that great? And that's what's fantastic, too, is that landscape probably has 20, 30 different varieties of plants in it. Mm-hmm. Before that, yeah, like I said, in contrast, you have lawn right, <laughs> and, a sh- and a shrub. 
So uh, it's it's just such a great, um, I guess, contrast, you know, to the old way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way uh, to utilize our, our natural resources. All right. Well, let's jump into this topic of uh, being water wise with our gardening. And who better to speak with than Mr. Greg Gayton? Um, you ever heard of Greg, Kevin? Uh, yeah, we've met her once okay. or twice. We've had him on the show <laughs> yeah, plenty of times. He's a pro. He's a true garden guru. So let's jump into our interview with Greg out at the Green Acres in Citrus Heights. Well, I'm back with Greg. How's it going, Greg? It's going very good. I am always enjoy talking to you. You know I love it. How's your summer been? Summer's been fantastic. A little hot, but otherwise great. Okay, so uh, everything going good at the nursery? Of course. All right. So I'm sure you've probably been dealing with people coming in, having questions with their gardens. Uh, we talked a few weeks back about how to, you know, landscaping in the heat, how to beat that heat. Now today we're actually maybe have some ideas and some, uh, maybe have a conversation on water-wise landscaping, because maybe that's maybe could be the best way to beat the heat. I think for some folks, maybe it's a new idea, but we were talking earlier and how it maybe will be the, you know, maybe the new normal for a lot of home gardeners, especially in our region where it's hot, it's a little drier, and then, then there's plants out there that actually like that. So is it possible to even have a beautiful, lush garden that is water efficient and water-wise? Of course it is. And in fact, we're reimagining our landscape. We're taking, um, you know, people used to come in in the 80s and that and bring in a, look at the picture of the Scots fertilizer where it's all lawn and go, I want my yard to look like that. But that's sort of a boring landscape. And, you know, all these years where they've been water lean years, um, we've learned a lot. We've learned that um, we can have a beautiful landscape, actually really interesting. And besides being extremely water wise, it's low maintenance. Um, It's beautiful. It brings in pollinators. It does all kinds of cool things. You don't have to have a barren, and and now everybody, you know, we're talking low water years. You don't have to have a barren looking yard. You can actually have a beautiful yard. Well, you bring that up. I think that's a common misconception when when people are gardening. They think, oh, I'm going to go water wise. I'm going to be drought tolerant. And they think, oh, now I'm going to have a rock garden or I don't want my garden to look like I'm in Arizona, right? I don't, I don't, that doesn't have to be the case, right? Exactly, because a whole yard full of rocks or just full of weeds is not doing anything good. You know, you want to have some vegetation. You want to, um, you know, bring in some pollinators, but you want to have some beauty too. And the water-wise gardens are actually the the nicest gardens around. And if you look a lot around Sacramento and Northern California. Um, you're seeing some really beautiful landscapes, and they're water-wise. They're not all lawns. They're not all rock. They're not all bark. There's perennials. There's um, beautiful trees. Um, you know, flowers, t- herbs, exactly. Yeah, trees, and that's what I'm noticing more now in my neighborhood. I'll go for walks with my family. I'm noticing, you know, lawns kind of, you know, kind of disappearing and getting replaced with. You know, a tree here is some shrubs there, is some some grasses, and it's really nice to see. I'm noticing, you know, yard after yard, kind of getting transformed, uh, and it is a little bit more uh, enjoyable to me as somebody walking through my neighborhood. Um, the grass gets a little, you know, a little boring. It's a, <laughs> the monoculture. Sure, and you don't have to give up all your lawn. You know, you can just cut back on the amount of lawn. And then practices, which we'll probably talk later, about taking care of your lawn to even actually use less water in, uh, you know, your lawn. So it's possible to do a little bit of both if oh, you still want to keep it's a great, your turf um, areas. Yeah, definitely. You know, your water-wise yard doesn't have to look all dry and barren. It can look absolutely beautiful. Um, some of the best-looking, like I said, the best-looking yards in Sacramento 
Sacramento are the envy of people all over the world. So I think maybe the common idea was that in the past, having a garden that is you know simple and just lawn or just shrubs or one tree, that's you know that's that's the easy route. So we'll, let's do that. But I think now you know having these gardens that are water wise, there's a lot of benefit to it. But can you get away with it also being low maintenance? Does oh. it have to be a high maintenance endeavor? Oh, most definitely. When you're reimagining your landscape, you know, you follow some easy practices as far as watering and mulch and the selection of plants, and it can be very low maintenance. But what's really cool is, um, I guess the word serendipity is sort of cool because you'll have different plants that all of a sudden will be blooming at different times. Um, you know, and then when one stops blooming, another one comes up. And that's what's really fun about it. It's something that, and you can always add to it. It's really neat where you can fine tune and, and put something in like, for example, a rock rose, this little, um, Cystus? Yeah, the cystus, which is really, really drought-tolerant uh, water-wise. Um, and it has a flower during the late winter, early spring. Um, it has a, f a really sort of a interesting foliage smell to it. Some like it, some don't. Um, so the deer don't like it. So if you're in an area where they're deer... Um, well, and this one has a variegation on the leaf, and it's quite lovely. Oh, it's definitely beautiful, loves the full sun. There are some plants that will tolerate shade that are water-wise too, like your Daphne. But there's, so there's a plant for- I like how you call it my Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Daphne, Odera or whatever. Yes. They smell so good, they're such a treat. The biggest killer of those plants are too much water. So oh, yeah. once they're established, you, you know, you have to get like a soil meet, a water meter, a soil probe, or you know, get your good old uh, screwdriver out there and check the soil every so often because even when it's 100 degrees, it, once they're established, they really will tolerate deep, infrequent waterings. Sounds great. So it's pretty warm right now. And so um, if somebody was going to be planning on doing a, you know, a full landscape conversion at their home, can they, would it be good to plan it out now, do it in the fall, or can they you know, just forge ahead, get it done now? Um, or is it just a gamble either way? It's more of a personal choice. Well, you know, you can get it ready. Um, you can still do planting in the summertime. The best time is the fall because you don't have to water as much the plants acclimate over. But you can put in some, you know, little plantings here and there. It shouldn't be any problem. Yeah, I felt like you can get away with the summer planting. It just really, you don't want it, um, to have plants that you aren't keeping an eye on. So when you do just put one or two here and there, I feel like you're more uh, likely to keep an eye on those ones the first few weeks of their life as opposed to an entire landscape that you just now have started for the first time ever. Most definitely, but what you really wanna do is, hey, let's start working. Let's start getting our hands dirty. Yep. Let's start having a lot of fun in our landscape. So yes, when you plant a plant, always check it the first couple of weeks, actually the first month or first two months. But after a while, you start to, you know, hey, let's make some meandering walkways. Let's let's keep adding to it or, you know, out there pruning. It's fun. It's fun to go out and work in the yard. And the water-wise landscape really makes you, draws you interest. It, brings you into your yard, and it just looks fantastic. Well, you kind of brought up watering a little bit, and I had a question in the back of my brain. So what is, right now, especially when it's hot, what, are the, what is the best practice for deep watering a tree, or just watering your trees in general, especially if you got some lawn around your tree, maybe your, maybe your lawn is getting watered a little less than normal, or it's even going dry now, but you don't want to lose the tree because you're letting the lawn go. 
can we save the tree but let the lawn go? Is that Most how we definitely. do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that's a good question because we definitely do want to save the trees. The lawn you can bring back. You can, you know, in the fall you can overseed it or cut it, cut out a lot of it and just have a little bit of your, of lawn. But your trees, if you're not watering your lawn, or you're not doing anything, you're letting the weeds grow, you're not helping the trees and the trees might perish because of that. So you definitely want to uh, learn how to water your trees. For example, if you have a, a young tree, they're going to need at least uh, probably 10 to 15 gallons of water per week. And if you're putting in a tree that's like a new or like a year old, you want to use like the bucket method where you can get like one of our five gallon containers. Go ahead and put a hole in the bottom of the container. And then you put a little piece of tape over it, drill a hole, and then you fill it with water. You set it out at the drip line of the tree. Let that drain out of it, and then you do it again on the other side. And that's great to, you know, that's 10 gallons of water once a week, and that's easy to do. Where's the drip line? You know, the drip line is basically the farthest point out where the foliage reaches. The branches are exactly. stretching towards, okay. Yeah, and now more established trees, um, you can water once a month, but basically what you wanna probably do is um, go ahead and get like a soaker hose and put it at the drip line. You can go ahead and get your good old trusty moisture meter or, um, you know, and check to see. You wanna go down a good, oh, you know, four to six inches. Um, you wanna make sure you put mulch around the roots so that um, the top of it, so that that keeps the moisture in. You know, make like a donut. So keep keep the mulch a good four inches away from the trunk. I was then, just gonna ask, I see that often. People will mulch up the trunk like they're planting a, a tomato with soil. No, no, right? no. So keep the mulch pulled back away from the actual trunk. Definitely, because you can get crown rot if you have it too close to the trunk and that'll keep the moisture at the, and you know, keep the water and nutrients from flowing. So you you definitely want to do that. So keep it about four inches away from the trunk, like a donut. Put the mulch out there, a good four, six inches of mulch. That'll keep the moisture in. That'll help the, you know, keep the tree roots cool, um, keep the weeds down, and keep the moisture in the ground. Fantastic. So mulch, you brought up mulch. Mulch is fantastic. Is, is that a big part of water-wise land, uh, landscaping? I know we talk about it here almost every single week. It's like a recurring theme here. Should have everybody you know, take a, take a drink of lemonade every time you hear the word mulch on this show. But uh, with water-wise landscaping, is that, so you oh, still yeah. use that, utilize that approach as well? And we should mention mulch during every podcast because it is so important. Not only does it um, keep the moisture in the ground uh, and basically keeps the, um, the roots from getting too hot, um, it adds really great organic material to the soil. And you really, the soil is the main thing. You know, you wanna make sure that the, um, the soil is happy and thriving. I guess you couldn't say happy, but um, you wanna make sure that the, the soil's loose and, um, you know, just- Just dis biologically rich. Fantastic. Yes, fungus and it, micro, you know, bacteria and all these microorganisms that are doing their thing. and you know, breaking down material and converting it into usable nutrition for the plants. I love it. And you can't, you know, you can't 
get enough mulch. You always want to keep adding it throughout the year, whether it be earthworm castings or organic mulch that you make in your backyard or uh, mulch that you buy from the nursery. Um, you know, it's always helpful. And make sure if you're putting drip watering down to cover those, those uh, drippers with that mulch. So you have the soil layer, you got your drip on top of the soil, then you have your three to four inches of mulch above that. Most well. definitely. And when we're talking about soil nutrition and the, which mulch helps, make sure you use organic fertilizers too because you want to stay away from the synthetics because you really don't want a lot of new up top growth. You want to get the root system established because if a, a healthy root system is going to conserve water, it's going to make the plant more uh, resistant to these 100 degree temperatures. You read my mind. I was just gonna say, you know, it seems like healthy plants are more resilient to stressful situations, whether it be, you know, watering, the temperature, insects, you know, you don't see healthy plants just get blasted by insects. Uh, they're always being stressed out by something. And I feel like when they have good nutrition, that is, is this always a great start to kind of avoid those stressful times. And then the good old days, I'm talking about the 80s and the 70s and 90s, whenever, um, you know, everybody wanted to see that new quick growth. But what that does is that puts the plants more susceptible to the heat and also draws insects to your garden too. You mentioned uh, ones that look good and bring in pollinators. You have one right here in front of me that I've been staring at the whole time, and this is the cat mint, some nepeta. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's such a beautiful plant. It's a great plant and it blooms throughout the season from late winter all the way into fall. It brings in a lot of pollinators and beneficial insects, but I think the best part about it is it's just beautiful. It has these beautiful blue flowers that just continually bloom. You don't have to really do anything to it. Every so often cut it back a little bit because you don't want it to get leggy. Um, but that's something you can do. It takes uh, less than a minute to cut that back. You have your shears and when you're walking your yard at night with your glass of wine, go out there and Ooh, prune I a like the way you there. garden. Yeah, you know, you want to have fun in your landscape. A waterwise landscape is fun with pathways and, you know, put in some night lighting. Um, just, it's just beautiful. And I've seen so many, you know, we're reimagining our landscape. We, we started calling it California landscape, but you know, the whole Western United States is starting to get you know, water conscious. And what we should have done was done this a long time ago because they look so much nicer than a, a yard. Well, there's so many use. benefits and you've listed them off, whether it's just resource usage of watering uh, to the, you know, the pollinators, to um, just the beauty of it, um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's so many different reasons to go that route. It's very effective. It's efficient, and I feel like whatever area you live in, you really want to utilize the resources you have right where you're at. And so for us, water is at a premium, so we, we want a landscape that kind of reflects that, and uh, where every drop kind of counts and it's respected and goes right into the landscape in a in very responsible fashion. Well, we've learned a lot, and we've you know you can. You can let your yard go and sort of be the blight of the neighborhood, or you can turn that into something that's beautiful. And there's a lot of resources. Utilize us, our website, but you know, there's also um, bewatersmart.info, which is great because if you're not sure about how, who your water uh, supplier is, they'll tell you, it'll tell you how many times a week you can water. It'll give you useful hints. Um, how to set up a controller, all kinds of water saving tips. So, you know, there's so many things that we have at our 
fingertips that we can do to make a beautiful yard. And so water-wise is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, be easy on the decorative gravel for now and make sure you sneak in some plants in that garden. Yeah, you can bring some decorative get gravel, you know, but mix it up. It yeah. looks really cool when you, when you, when you have a really fun yard, you know, um, you know, back to lawns, make sure you use MP rotator heads, get a soil probe or soil meter. Um, there's so many things you can do and it doesn't take a lot of time. So the that. MP rotator heads, those are the ones that instead of putting out a nice mist of water, the, uh, it's more like directed jets and beams, little streams of water. Yeah, they're matched they're hitting the soil. Yeah, match precipitation heads. And what they basically do is they cycle and soak. So they, you put them on longer, but they use about 30% less water. So you're not losing all your water to- um, Just run off. Run off or anything. You can cycle and soak, use 30% less water, you can actually have a lawn without feeling guilty. I like it, that's fantastic. So any last thoughts or words of encouragement for those of us who want to kind of forge ahead with some water-wise landscaping in our homes? Yeah, go for it. Um, have fun, be original, um, make your yard the, the focal point of the neighborhood and you're gonna save water, you're gonna have a beautiful landscape and it's gonna look awesome. Thank you for asking me to be here. Oh yeah, we'll see you next time, Greg. All right, and we're back from our interview with Greg. Um, Kevin, all right, so I'm, I know you had a blast speaking uh, with Love Greg, it. of course, yes, but uh, please tell me, like, what was your big takeaway? What did you get out of that from, you know, what was Greg's message that really resonated with you? For me, the message from Greg was that, you know, the myths that, you know, a, a landscape that is going to be, you know, water-wise or drought-tolerant has to be this barren, ugly landscape of, just rock or a dead lawn or whatever. Like, hey, yeah, it's water-wise. I don't water my lawn. <laughs> there it is. It's water-wise. It doesn't have to look like that. A water-wise landscape, a Western-style landscape, now can be a lush oasis that just lures in pollinators and beneficial wildlife, full of flowers, seasonal changes, you know, textures and smells, all the different things we talk about each week, all the things that we enjoy, uh, the different perennials and native, you know, different grasses. You can get really creative with a waterwise garden, and so I, I feel like the myth that the waterwise garden is this boring, dull, dead landscape that is like not worth your time. It's like that's quite the uh, complete opposite. I have you know, to total confess. 180. I have to confess, I kind of thought that's what it was. Right. I mean, I don't know why, but I just thought like, um, you know, you hear about like a drought tolerant or. You know, there's other language around this too, and and in my head, I just keep picturing kind of like a barren, a barren thing that I wouldn't want. But it it doesn't need to be like that. And I've seen tons of great examples now of water wise gardens, and they're beautiful. Like you're saying, it's so much opportunity to do so much, right? Absolutely. Well, remember we went to the rose garden at Linda's. Yep. Her garden is water wise. She's on drip, and she has you know she's using organics. We went out to the Hagen Dazs Garden, the Bee Garden. That's a water-wise landscape, you know, packed full of perennials for bees and pollinators. That's all on drip, tons of mulch, all organic. You know, so it's fan. You know, it's just it, there's so many different options out there and different ways to utilize a, a water-wise landscape. That you, I mean, there there are no limits to your imagination. It's really in all the way that you take care of that landscape. Yeah, you could grow uh, like a million roses, like Linda. And still keep it water-wise. Citrus trees, you know, they're very durable and tolerant. You know, they don't need a ton of extra water. They just need nice, deep, infrequent watering. Drip systems are great at applying that. So there's different uh, plants you can really have fun with and still be 
you know, efficient with your water use. Uh, I feel like, the, like I said, the myth has been dispelled. Greg has set me on the path. Nice. And one thing I love, absolutely love about Greg, yeah. is he's so positive and encouraging type oh, yeah. of person that he makes you feel like you can do anything because he really lifts you up. Yeah. And when it comes to you know landscaping and gardening, people really need that. And so I feel like when it, if folks want to make a change, whether it's pulling out a little patch of lawn here or you know adding some potted plants there uh, or adding some mulch there, you know it's like people can I really need to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, talking with Greg, ha- hearing his positive nature and his positive way and really his optimism uh, for the Western landscape for water-wise gardening, I feel like, you know, this is absolutely doable for a lot of people. And I think it's going to be, you know, the wave of the future. You're going to see more landscapes and uh, really develop like this. And you're going to see your neighbors' lawns maybe slowly disappear, at least partially, and then get replaced with some beautiful flowers, some perennial grasses, maybe some small ornamental trees, a little bit of mulch, and I cannot wait. Well, thank you, Kevin, for being with us. And a big thank you to Greg, as always. Um, Let's go ahead and and wrap this up. Kevin, go ahead and take us out and give us your last final thoughts on water, please. Well, thank you so much, Austin. Another great week talking plants. I must be the luckiest gardener in the world. Water-wise gardening is where it's at. It's super easy. I think the results will speak for themselves. Uh, you'll love it. Just give it a try. There's plenty um, plenty to learn out there. Tons of information, like you said, bewatersmart.info, uh, and, and tons more. You know, get out there when it, when it comes to drought-tolerant plants, water-wise gardening, river-friendly gardening. Um, there's so much to learn and do, and the, like I said, the results will speak for themselves. Until next time, garden friends, I got to get back out in the garden, do a little bit of harvesting, do a little bit of eating, and then some more harvesting, and then maybe some weed pulling. Uh, Until next time, garden friends, happy gardening to you all, and please never stop growing. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Kevin Jordan or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions. And learn how to save water while gardening at bewatersmart.info.